Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 to 16. Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 to 16. Listening to what we say. Listening to what we say. You know, it's important that the, the, the scripture has a, has a lot to tell us about um, our vocabulary, about what we say to ourselves, what we say to others, how we say it. Uh, one individual declared that it is not the dictionary that gives meaning to your words, it is our heart. And so as we listen to what we say, we find in this scripture today, Miriam and Aaron and Moses are, are together in, in, in this uh, difficult situation, and Moses uh, has been, is being criticized by his sister. And so Mary, Marion and uh, Aaron are sisters and brother uh, of Moses. And so they've kind of entered into this little tiff with one another, and this is uh, what's going on here in chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? This is Miriam speaking. They ask, hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. So God's upset with Miriam and, and, and Aaron. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else in the face of the earth. And at once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out to the tent of meetings, all three of you. So the three of them came out, and then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. So you have Miriam, Aaron, and Moses together, and God comes in this cloud over, over all three of them. Right? And God is going to speak to them about what's been going on. He stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. And this is God speaking. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in a vision. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Now, one of the things we want to keep here is Miriam and uh, Aaron are the heads of these two other groups. They are the, the, the heads of the prophets, and the, 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 is it, were the ones who were receiving the visions. And, and Miriam and Mo Aaron were in charge of these two. So there's the three heads of Israel here. But Miriam's having trouble with Moses. But God is kind of straightening her out here. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees from the Lord... Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. And when the cloud lifted from above the tent, there stood Miriam. She was leprous, like snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had leprosy. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, do not hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh eaten away. So Moses cried to the Lord, O God, please heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? 
confine her outside the camp for seven days after she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. After that, the people left uh, Hezroth and encamped in the desert of Paran. So whenever we are listening to what we say, um, it's very important that we understand the context of, and perhaps the, the implications that go behind the words that we speak. And this is not only in, in the idea of what we speak to other people, but what we speak to ourselves. How that we carry on a conversation. You know, uh, are there people who talk to yourselves? <laughs> yeah, okay, I just wanted to make sure. Are there those who would tell others that they talk to themselves and you don't listen? <laughs> That's okay. That would be something like that. So, be careful what you say. You may get what you ask for. You may get what you wish for. Um, to those of you who are Home Alone fanatics, that's in the movie Home Alone. Be careful what you ask for. You may get what you wish for. So that's the Home Alone movie, you know. All right. One and two. All right. So Miriam and Aaron were, as we said, brother and sister of Moses. Miriam, for some reason, did not like the wife of Moses. Any of you have siblings? You don't answer, don't answer your, don't raise your hand on this one. But do any of you have siblings who are married to someone you really just, you know, have issues with? Okay, we don't have any of those. Okay, so Miriam is having problems with um, the wife of Moses. And there's no explanation given. She just didn't like her. So Miriam perhaps is like a lot of other people who argue over minor disagreements and leaving the real issue kind of go by the wayside. And this was the case when Miriam and Aaron came to Moses with a complaint. Now, as we said, Miriam and Aaron represented the priests and the prophets. Okay? So there are priests and prophets in, in the nation of Israel, uh, and Israel at this time, and then there's Moses. Now, these priests and prophets, God says that in this little uh, discourse, the, that, that, that I, reveal, I reveal myself to him in visions and I speak to him in dreams. So God speaks to the priests and the prophets, but to, to Moses, he, say, he comes and he talks to him as it were face to face. And Miriam and Aaron are kind of upset because they represent these two very large groups, priests and prophets, and they don't have the final say in what happens in the, in the leading of Israel. They don't have, Moses always had the final say. And so Miriam's kind of upset at this. So she's a little tiffed at what's going on. So um, you've got two brothers and one sister <laughs> in charge of a million plus people. And Moses isn't listening. My brother's not listening to me. <laughs> And Miriam is jealous of Moses and his influence. Now, be careful what we say. See, if you can't find fault with a person, you pick at something or someone around them. And this is a very human nature, that um, one, one individual said, if you can't live up to where people are, tear them down to where you're at. You know, so whenever we, have a, we have a society, you know, finding fault is not, is not a gift from God. Uh, I think it's more of a curse. Tabloids 
Tabloids have billion-dollar industry finding out little bits of information, well, making up <laughs> bits of information about people, gossip columns, and, and we, we look at what is fallen, what is, uh, what is tearing people down, and, and what is, and, and, if you, and what do we have? This crazy idea that if we see it in print, it must be true. <laughs> How many look at the tabloids as you go through the grocery checkout thing? just to see what the headlines are. And how many won't admit that you look at the headlines? <laughs> so why do we look at those things? I wonder what, who did what and what picture. You know, what's really funny sometimes is you know you got somebody else's face superimposed over someone else's body. I mean, it is just like, you know, they're, they're better at it today than, than they used to be. But they had these tabloids. And what is it? It's people finding fault with other people. And, and there are others, and people just love to read about what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with these other people. Why? Why? Well, if other people aren't that good, I don't need to really strive to be that good. It's kind of like a tearing down of our, of our society and of our responsibilities. And we know that God, God knows our thoughts and the intents of each one of us. He knows the worst of us. And what is God doing about it? He's trying to bring out the best in us. Here is God who knows the worst of us. He knows, you know, God knows every sin, everything we're going to do for the rest of our lives. Now, if you knew how bad somebody was going to say or do something against you, and you knew they were going to do it about three weeks from now, you would start preparing for that moment. <laughs> You'd have a conversation going on. I'm going to really tell them off this time, because we do that retrospect, right? Well, God knows every sin that we're ever going to commit in the rest of our life, and he comes back to this moment and says, I love you. <laughs> I forgive you. And I'm prepared to forgive you for whatever is in front of you because I know what can bring out the best in you. And it's forgiveness. But Miriam, well, I, I like this saying. Uh, this is Joel Olstein's. It's time to think about what you're thinking about. <laughs> it's time to think about what you're thinking about. There's a war going on in our minds. There's a battlefield in our minds and in our hearts. And the battlefield is our vocabulary, our words that we speak, and the things that we say, and how we say them. And there's this battle going on. So it's time to think about what we're thinking about. Because our actions will follow our thoughts. Our actions will follow our thoughts. That's why we can't allow ourselves to become critical. That's why the Bible doesn't want us to think about that things that are destructive. The, bio, the, the, the evil's intent is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So in your conversation, are you stealing, killing, or destroying? Are you destroying things, destroying people in your mind and in, in, in going on? So we've got to think about what we're thinking about. For, for Miriam, why didn't Miriam desire to enter the presence of God with Moses? He says here, when, when I speak face to face... God speaks face-to-face -face with Moses. Why wasn't Miriam desiring to enter into that close relationship with God like her brother had? 
it's easier to stay on the outside and be critical. And, and you see, the challenge is that God wants to do what's, what's great in our life, and, and he wants to bring out the best in our life, but sometimes we're the one who stands in the way of it. See, in reality, the life of Moses is not the problem. <laughs> the problem that was going on is an age-old problem that we still have today, and Miriam had it back then, and it's called envy and pride. Envy is a feeling of ill will because of another's advantages. A feeling of ill will because somebody else has it a little better. <laughs> That's envy and pride, the wrong. Pride can be a proper respect for oneself, but pride can also be an un- unduly high opinion of oneself. An unduly high opinion of ourselves. So whenever we get into, if we get into, this idea of envy and pride, which Miriam was caught up in, she began to really tear down at her brother, who was the leader of Israel. And sometimes it's hard to see. We know last week we had the mirror. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's hard to see that part aspects of our character. That when we look in the mirror, we want, we want to look at ourselves in a way that we, we can examine ourselves according to the mirror of God's word. <laughs> well, Miriam with her envy and pride against Moses, chose to create a diversion. And the diversion was, Moses, I don't like your wife. (laughs) Miriam was upset with Moses because he wouldn't listen to her and her group. And and so rather than saying, Moses, I don't like the way you're you're leading this place, he says, Moses, I don't like your wife. (laughs) Anybody ever do that one? I don't like your wife. I don't like your clothes. I don't like your hair. People don't say that about my hair. Um, but they, they, they don't like your hair. They don't like this. They don't like that. They don't like the car you drive. They don't like, why, what are they talking about? Well, Miriam was creating a diversion. The challenge is always to ourselves. Do we have the integrity Do we have the personal inner strength to deal with the real issues in our lives? The real issues. The issues of our heart. Are we unjustly critical? Or are we unjustly criticized? It's a flip-flop. Are we unjustly critical of other people just because they go to Pitt (laughs) and not Penn State? Or maybe WVU. <laughs> Why, what, do we, what do we do there? We have our rivalries. I won't do high schools and stuff because we got too many. Uh, <laughs> we have too many kids from different high schools, so not going to go with high schools. But or professional sports, the, the Steelers and the Cincinnati Bungles. <laughs> that was Myron Cope's uh, year, but the Cincinnati Bungles have changed uh, their, 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 their team. The Cleveland Brownies, you know. You know, we have these rivalries that go on, and why do we have these? We have them, they're expressions of our prejudices, they're, they're, you know, our prejudging of things. We don't like them. Why? Why don't we like Cincinnati? Well, I don't like their football team. They're dirty. <laughs> and in Cincinnati, they don't like the Steelers. Why? Because they're dirty. <laughs> they don't play right. Hmm. Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. 
Words words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. Is it up there? Aha. This is what I want us to read. What does it say? Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Is that up there? Yep. How about that? Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. And as we examine what we say about ourselves, as we examine what we say about ourselves, it's very important. Because if we are, if we are very difficult and hard on ourselves in, in an unjust manner, we're going to be unjust in our relationship with other people. and We're going to be critical of them. We can be prejudiced against other people, prejudging situations before they ever happen. Verse 21, the, the Amplified has it, or the NIV has it, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. Think about what you're thinking about. Because what we think about is eventually ends up what we say. And what we say has a way of influencing where we're going to go with our life. So imagine if everything we say would come to pass. Imagine if everything that we thought would come to pass. What type of an environment would we be living in? What type of a, a, a situation or setting would our life be? And God is telling us by his word that we are to think and to do and to respond in ways that are helpful, healing, restoring, blessing, fulfilling, caring, admonishing. God wants us to think the way he thinks about us. What you say to yourself, self-talk, is it positive and is it biblically? Is it biblically sound? Does it speak in faith of what we can do and what we can become? See, these are challenges to our faith. And our challenges to our faith is that God has a purpose and a plan and God wants to do good things, great things in our life. And I, I, know, I, I, you know, I love the idea the scriptures talk about while you were yet in your mother's womb, God planned for you. He, per, he put all the stuff in there that you need to be you. And while God is working on you, he's bringing that out and bringing that to the forefront so that you can become great in who you are. But our self-talk, the words that we speak, meditations of our heart, things that we think about and how we respond are all part of whether we're going to bring that out or not. Why would we deny ourselves the power of life. The tongue has the power of life and death. What you say has the ability to bring life or to destroy. Why, and this is you know, a question I you know, ask myself, each of us, why would we say something that wouldn't bring life to us? Why would we say things that wouldn't bring life to other people? Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to give it to you in abundance. 
God wants to bring abundance into our life, and he's given us the ability to think right, talk right, act right. (laughs) But why would we choose not to bring life? Why would we choose not to have love and friendship and, and companionship? Your tongue has the power. We have the ability to speak this into our life. Winston Churchill said, We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We make a life by what we give. The words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, may they be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my my strength and my redeemer. God wants our words to be acceptable in his sight. Why? Because Churchill, even Churchill found this out, that we give life by, we, we have life by what we give. And we're giving life in our words. There are words of life. There are words of life in us, for ourselves, and for those around us. And this is the challenge of our words in Philippians chapter 4. Paul says it this way, summing it up, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. Now, he says, think on, and the King James says, think on these things. If there's any virtue of any praise, think on these things. So he's already telling us what, we're, what thoughts are supposed to be in our minds. Okay, well, what am I supposed to think about? Don't read the tabloids. <laughs> you know. Think about this. Noble, things that are true. Things that are true. Things that are noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best. The best and not the worst. The beautiful and not the ugly. (laughs) The beautiful and not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me that you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. God is working to create harmony in our life. Harmony between God and I. Harmony between what I think and what I say and who I am. Harmony between me and other people. Other people and me. My thoughts about them and, their, and how that I respond to them. And the words, we talked about being an encourager. And how can we be an encourager if the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart are not acceptable in God's sight, they will not be acceptable in the sight of other people. He who has never had one negative thought about us is asking us to look at our world around us, our family, our school, our neighbors, our friends, Is there harmony? If not, why not? We make a life by what we give. What are we giving? The most valuable possession I have is Jesus Christ. And without Jesus, nothing else matters. And the Word made flesh and dwelt among us, and I am allowing the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ and His Word to influence who I am and what I say and what I think. So I am allowing Jesus to be my best friend. 
I'm allowing his presence to be there. That, and, and what does Jesus say to us? He says to us hope. He gives us, he gives us faith. He gives us an understanding that he is going to work in our lives to create a place, a place in us where he, where he lives and where we live with him. Matthew chapter 12, verses 35, 36, and 7 says this. And Jesus is giving these instructions. And, and I, when I read this, I was, I was thinking, uh, I won't say who I was thinking of. Uh, <laughs> you have minds like a snake pit. <laughs> Is that up there? Do you have that one? Matthew 12, 35. Oh, it's 34, excuse me. I didn't get that one to you. Verse 34, you have minds like a snake pit. Did you ever get into a conversation with someone that you always felt like you were being bitten and poisoned? <laughs> I mean, you know, have you been with people where you just felt like you were being poisoned? You, just, you have a mind like a snake pit, you know? You ever been in, I've never been in a snake pit. I, I hate, I don't like snakes, right? I don't like snakes. I never have. But I would never want to be in a snake pit. What happens when you get in a snake pit? You get bit, right? Why? It's the natural instinct of that snake to, it's their instinct. What are they going to do? They're going to reach out and they're going to touch you. They're going to reach out and they're going to let you know that they're there. And what are they going to give you? <laughs> they're going to give you what they have. Poison. They're going to reach out and they're going to nab you. Well, and, and Jesus is telling them, you have a mind like a snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? That's verse 34 of chapter 12. It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and, and I can emphasize good words, a good person produces good deeds and good words season after season. The fruit of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. Anybody know what a blight is? It destroys the fruit. You know, if you don't spray, how many know the, what was it, the tomato blight? Okay, how many of you got that tomato blight? I mean, you didn't have tomatoes because of tomato blight. Well, it was the idea that a blight got on the tomatoes and ruined them. So a blight in an orchard is that which ruins the, which ruins the fruit of the orchard. Let me tell you something, Jesus is saying. Every one of these careless words is, is going to go back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can be your damnation. Let the words of my mouth, my mouth be my salvation. Let it say what I mean and mean what I say. Let the words of my, health, my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in God's sight. And let me speak those things because these are the things that give us life. And these are the things that give us hope. <laughs> now, Miriam, the sister of Moses... By her words, she spoke against her brother. And her brother 
was a very compassionate, humble man. He would not say anything bad back against his sister. And God came in the cloud and spoke to Moses, Miriam, and Aaron. When the cloud lifted, Miriam was covered with leprosy. And leprosy is a, you know, it's a disease in which your skin falls off, your, your fingers, your appendages fall off, and, and you die from it. Now, I'm not saying that, <laughs> that you speak bad things, leprosy is going to get you. I'm going to say that the words that Miriam spoke against her brother ended up becoming very destructive to her. Physically destructive. And that's the point sometimes we miss. That what would happen if the words we say would all come true back upon us? Would we be blessed? Or would we be cursed? And in reality, when we use the negative, the destructive, the jealousy, the envy, when we use that against other people, we're actually harming ourselves. Because we're hurting the image of God in us. And the image of God is love and joy and peace and patience. It's healing. It's restoring. It's helping. It's caring. You see, we are people of the heart. We're people of the heart, and when our heart is touched by God, it has a way of healing the brokenhearted, healing those who are hurting, setting free people who are captive. And so when our words become words of love and forgiveness, They are words that bring healing to our own hearts. We may not understand everything that happens in life, but we understand that God loves me. And he he will be with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. That he will be my comfort. He will be my help. He will be my guide. He will be my strength. He will work things in harmony In my life, let the words of my mouth be in harmony with God's words that speak peace and healing to me. And I will speak peace and healing to you. I will be an encourager because Jesus is my encourager.